Hey guys, I'm Ollie. I'm Zen. And we're the Invincibles. Alright. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Alright guys, we got a lot to talk about to this week. Okay, first of all, thank you for tuning in for the last two weeks. It's been awesome. You know, we're just kind of, especially at least for me, we're, you know, getting, you know, the ground under our feet and we're just kind of going along with each episode and just having fun with it. So thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Um, this week, we got a lot of cool topics. We're going to start out with some Mandalorian thoughts and theories and just, you know, where the Star Wars franchise is going in, in terms of direction. Then we got The Last of Us, right? Ollie's going to break that down and just talk about his reviews because admittedly, I'm not caught up on the show's episodes, but I played the games, you know, so Ollie, you play, you, you, you watch the show, uh, play the games. So we're going to be discussing that. And then, Ollie, do you want to talk about what the main attraction of today's show is? Um, sort of going a bit more in depth on the Spider-Man news that uh, Spider-Man's going to be the lead of uh, Kang Dynasty and we're going to be getting Spider-Man 4 before that. Um, so just sort of delving into that a bit deeper than we did last week and ju- just giving our thoughts on MCU Spider-Man as a whole, really. Yeah, man. So so we got a lot. So let's dive into it, Ollie. Mm-hmm. So mando season three episode one break it down for us so um not a lot happens in terms of story it's just sort of setting up um, what mando's mission is going to be for this season so he wants to uh redeem himself um you know to redeem himself to his sort of tribe of mandalorians you know the ones you never take the helmet off he has to bathe in a in some something called like the the living waters or something it's like underneath the surface of mandalore but everyone says they got destroyed in the purge but apparently it still exists so he's got to go he's got to go to the surface of mandalore but everyone's saying oh you, you can't go there it's uninhabitable so he has to find he has to fix uh ig11 to fix ig11 he has to find this part and the episode is just him starting that journey to find this part to fix this droid so we can go to this place pretty simple but that's what the mandalorian is really it's you know it's a simple idea he needs to you know that's been that's been the plot of each season he has to find something to get him to the next place to complete his quest um it's just very just sort of setting that up but there was one easter egg in it which if you're if people have watched star wars rebels they'll be very very excited by so uh, when Ezra Bridger uh, was in Star Wars Rebels, he uh, sort of connected with like animals through the Force. And one of the animals he really connected with, I can't, I can't remember the name of them, but it's these massive like space whales that can travel through hyperspace. Um, and when Mando and Grogu are travelling through hyperspace in this episode, you see the sort of a silhouette of these animals in as they're travelling through hyperspace. So um, that's sort of the first hint we've had of them in live action. So that's a little exciting Easter egg for what's probably going to be a big plot in the Ahsoka show of her looking to find Ezra. Um, so that that was exciting. That's probably the most uh, what one of the most exciting parts of this episode. Again, not much action. Probably like there's like one, two fight, one fight scene, and then one like space battle. But like not a major one. So um Bo Katan showed up uh saying like everyone who followed her has ditched her because she didn't win the Darksaber back and things like that. Um Well she was also a horrible leader, but like that that's Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um But my main takeaway is it's just it's good to see good to see Mando and Grogu back, really. And I'm I'm just very excited for the rest of the season. Okay, so uh, real quick, so what was the stuff I saw on Twitter with John Favreau saying that by the end of Mandalorian, like the whole saga, it'll be like two years after the Force Awakens and right before the Last Jedi? Did you see that? Was that? Oh no, fake? I didn't. I didn't see that. Okay. I don't. Know if, I've heard a lot of. There's been a lot of misunderstanding of something he said in an interview. So he said something about it's been two years since we last saw them. Some people took that to mean, oh, there's been, there's been a two-year time jump, but he, he just meant it's been two years since the last series. 
Okay. So there's been a lot of confusion about something he said in an interview, but yeah. Okay. That, so. Okay. So that was okay. All right. So sorry, audience. Don't mean to throw out misinformation. <laughs> just clarifying. But then also that like kind of brings a deeper question about the Mandalorian to you, right? Is, um, you know, like when Mandalorian first started out, what was kind of the charm of season one was that it was its own and self-enclosed story. And then kind of the brilliance of season two was that it started to connect to the greater outside Star Wars universe so that the possibilities were endless for storytelling, right? So Luke Skywalker, which to me, I I love that finale. I know some people say that it's bad, you know, fan service, but I love the finale of Luke Skywalker coming and saving Grogu. Like that is the perfect way to write it. It makes sense. Um, but then also in season two, you have a ton of cameos over and over and over again like mm -hmm. and to the point where the story was more about which character are we going to see next right like you have you know guys that i don't want to name very big social media you know people with a big you know platform on social media who are star wars content creators who are saying they want general grievous in every episode <laughs> every episode and that kind of that's kind of like what i'm asking you bro is you feel like the mandalorian has kind of become cameo-fied like the only reason people are watching it the only reason there's hype is because of the star wars name attached alongside of a possibility of characters returning like has um, the soul of the mandalorian kind of been lost or am i being overly critical right now uh, there's definitely there's always a danger of that happening in sort of in the world today because people are obsessed with just bringing back old characters we see it all the time in wrestling bringing back goldberg yeah. all the time um, <laughs> but, but i think i think when when characters like like boba fett like luke skywalker um bo katan have showed up in mandalorian they've served a purpose in the story and it's been executed very well um so as long as they keep doing that which I've 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 got faith that that they will because Dave Dave Filoni uh, and John Favreau they 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 understand Star Wars very well and Dave Filoni is basically trained by George Lucas for this right. so I've yeah I've got faith that that's that that's not going to happen um uh, because of just the way that those the characters that came in we used last season it, it just served the story so well I think so I'm 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 pretty confident that that it's going to keep doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, bro, I love Dave Filoni. He does fantastic job with the Clone Wars. Oh, has yeah. done a fantastic <laughs> job with the Mandalorian. But then Dave Filoni also was involved with Book of Boba Fett, and that was yeah a, a lot of my issue with Star Wars currently. It, it is cameo, and then the projects, you know, like an, a session of cameos. Excuse me, but then the projects that are phenomenal right that 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 are groundbreaking right like for example andor nobody mm -hmm. talks about so is it a situation where it's like you have to serve the story with as much cameos as possible because people won't buy it people won't care about it that much then or do you, because i feel like when i think of mandalorian right sorry to cut you off when i think of mandalorian i think of scenes like season two when he took off his helmet right for grogu right when din took off his helmet or when i think of in season one when he hated you know like the the ig unit at the beginning and then towards the end he was very sad to see ig unit you know destroy itself but it was a metaphor for himself as well like people can't change like i feel like season one was the most character you know developing season four mando and then season two a lot of stuff was happening to him right mm -hmm. and you saw him kind of you know whether the storm for lack of a better purpose but i feel like the most character moments and the most intimate times we've had with him was season one and season two was more like a roller coaster with iconic character moments like take off the helmet last thing on star wars what do you think you know like season three is going to be do you think it's going to be a more personal intimate story with mando and grogu or do you think it's going to be a bit more Book of Boba Fett, King Dynasty, or not Book of, uh, not King Dynasty, but Quantumania. You know I, what I mean? I think um, this season's going to be, um, it's going to be a very Mandalore-focused season. 
because it'll be the first time we've seen characters visit the planet in live action. We've only seen it in like the Clone Wars and Rebels before. Um, so I think it's going to be less of the cameos. Um, and I think I think Mandalorian, the Mandalorian as a character, and Grogu as a character now, that because we've seen so much of them, um, so many people have watched them, that they it's, the show doesn't need the cameos to get to get those eyes on it anymore. Um, spe- like Grogu sells, I would love to see the figures and the merch that they sell with him. <laughs> um, but yeah, the story's gonna be it's gonna be very Mandalorian. Mandalore, Mandalorian centric, and from the some of the teaser trailers, it looks like we might see a couple of flashbacks to Mandalore in the past as well, um, which is really interesting. So it's gonna, I think it's gonna deal a lot with Din's identity as a Mandalorian as well, which obviously has been a theme in the past two seasons, and it's been really building up to him sort of tackling what what does it mean to be a Mandalorian. I think we're going to see sort of that come to a head in this season. Okay. All right. So, all right, then I need to get, I need to get (laughs) so as soon as possible, but all right. I'm glad that it will be a character focused story because I don't want that to be lost, you know, but if we're talking about character focused stories, right, let's talk about the last of us, bro. Like you've been caught up, you're watching everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell us what you think, especially from a perspective of, you know, this is your first, real exposure to the world of last of us mm-hmm. right you didn't play the games but you're watching the show like what are your thoughts bro like talk about well, everything and anything i um i watched like a so i played a bit of the second game um but like i stopped because i was really bad and i couldn't get past this one level, so i just quit <laughs> um, so before I played that i watched like a youtube recap of what happened in the first game can't really remember much of what happened um but uh so this is yeah this is my first real experience with the characters and um i think the first season so far for me it's i'd say it's probably on par with like season one of the walking dead i think it's that good and um, they've really done a good job of making the. I know, I know the creators don't like to call them zombies, but let's call yeah. them zombies. Yeah. Um, they've done a good job of making them feel genuinely scary because, obviously, the the look they've nailed the look. They look absolutely perfect, um, and the way they built up sort of the you know the fungus, sort of disease, uh, which I think apparently slightly different to the game. Yeah, um, like they have like the little like. Uh... Antler, they're not antler things. Yeah, like it's pretty much like a like a tripwire, right? Like if you mm. touch like a tendril of the fungus, then all the zombies. Will yeah, they're all walk. connected. Yeah, and then they're gonna rush out. It's like Awa but zombified. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I like that. <laughs> no, um, literally, it's Awa from Avatar but zombified. The um, what I like is you don't actually see that much of the zombies. Mm-hmm. Like some episodes, I think I think in most recent, sorry, the, the episode before the most recent one, I don't think you see a single zombie, like at all in the whole episode. So when that th- those moments when you do see the zombies and they're running, because those zombies are rapid, like when you see them running, it makes yeah. it even more intense. So I really like that about it. And again, Pedro Pascal, we just talked about Mandalorian. I think he's he's brilliant yeah, he's um he's my, my, obviously i didn't get to see much of it sorry spoilers for last of us too i didn't get to see much of joel when i played the second game because he fucking dies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my first experience with that character and i think he's he's brilliant uh bella ramsey is incredible yeah she's fantastic um so i obviously i got a bit more time with her in the second game because she's like the main protagonist in that and yeah Bella Ramsey absolutely nails the, the role of Ellie yeah. um, in my opinion um, and it's yeah it's 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 exciting to see an actual really good video game adaptation for once because they don't happen all that often yeah yeah the only real ones I think of is the Sonic ones the upcoming mm. Mario one looks pretty good but we'll see um and then yeah this 
There has yeah. to be one, I know for a fact, I missed it. Oh, there's a... Do you... Dungeons and Dragons? That's not really a video game adaptation, though, is it? No, it's like the board game. Yeah, um, still looks good, though. It looks like a generic, like, Dollar Tree movie, bro. I don't know. <laughs> He's got Michelle Rodriguez, I'll watch it. Okay, all right. <laughs> no, bro. I think I think, um, especially when you look at um, the character of Joel for mm-hmm. Last of Us, I feel like Pedro Pascal plays a more human and a more vulnerable and a, not soft negatively, but a more tender, uh, vulnerable aspect of Joel Miller versus mm-hmm. in the video game, he is a hardened killer. Like there isn't really. Like any is that in the game or in the in the show, but you have scenes such as in episode three when Bill wrote the letter to Joel saying, um, you know, hey, like we need to fight for people, and you know, uh, Frank was my person, you know, and that kind of was the spark for him to be motivated or be courageous enough to take that jump with Ellie and and take on that father figure role, even though he didn't really want to admit that. Um, I think this show illustrates those scenes with more nuance than the game could because the point of video games, number one, is gameplay, right? If the gameplay isn't fun, I don't care about the story, right? Yeah. And um, and that is the priority of the game. So the fact that the game tied fantastic gameplay with fantastic writing is, is kudos to them. But I like how you know the show is adding more nuance and scenes where we couldn't necessarily get them in the game, probably because of budget and, and stuff like that. Um, I also appreciate the fact that the show changes up a lot of stuff from the game, right? So you have um, Bill dying with Frank, who was in love with him, in their arms, on their bedside. And that was very powerful and very romantic, and not a lot of darkness was in their life in that episode. Versus in the game, Bill finds his you know ex-lover Frank in another house where he hung himself and he wrote a letter to bill yeah bro he wrote a letter to bill saying i truly despised you i only stayed with you for all those years just so i could have food and warm water i got bit and i'm going to hang myself and i want you to know i truly hated those years of my life like something horrible like that oh my god yeah and so bill and the game is very bitter very he's like that grumpy old troll you know like (laughs) and he's very like uh just very like a dick for lack of better terms (laughs) very disrespectful ellie um making fun of joel like there's a scene where joel's like i came here because i need a car so bill has a panic attack and he was like so let me go across town just so joel needs a car hey ellie we're gonna go fight a lot of infected because joel needs a car let's go help joel because joel needs a car like it's just he kept repeating it it was so funny because he had a panic attack but he owed joel and joel needed a car versus in the the show it was like hey here's my nice van take it you know so sorry i just went off on a tangent um but you said because this is important right bella ramsey's getting a lot of hate online um Mm. you said like you haven't had a lot of exposure with the character of ellie but you find bella ramsey's performance like you said she nailed it what about her performance as as somebody who is completely neutral with no you know outside perspectives just walking into the show what is it about her performance that just resonates with you somebody from the outside now into the world of last of us um she's she's playing what i'd imagine a real human teenager would be like in that exact situation like she she was born in the middle of a zombie apocalypse um so she didn't really get brought up normally um obviously the parents died and she's you know she's a very sassy she's got an attitude um which is exactly what a 14 year old human girl would be like under those circumstances um so it's it just feels very real i'd say um obviously it's it's a situation hopefully we'll never be in (laughs) (laughs) um but uh so we we know we'll never really know but it's what you'd it's exactly what i'd imagine you know a sassy 14 year old girl would be like under the circumstances so uh, yes very real performance i'd say 
Okay, well, you, you heard it here, trolls. Like, stop hating on Bella <laughs> Ramsey. Like, she is a fantastic actress, especially mm-hmm. also with her work on Game of Thrones. So, um, yeah. yeah, nothing but respect to her, bro. Also, if you don't enjoy it, don't watch it. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, facts. Like, and it's just weird. Like, we live in a society where, like, people have no problem with showing extreme graphic violence, but you show, like, LGBTQ people on screen and you start losing your minds it's really embarrassing but yeah um, you <laughs> yeah. know uh, you know on a you know not nearly on a serious level as that but another thing that's been embarrassing online is the discourse about spider-man specifically the mcu spider-man bro and when we got the news all over from my time to shine hello um twitter account she's a you know re- reliable leaker um she she said, hey, Tom Holland Spider-Man is going to be the lead role in Avengers Kang Dynasty. Um, she didn't say anything about Secret Wars. She also, a correction from last week, and last week I said Spider-Man 4 will come out before Secret Wars and Kang Dynasty. All she has said is it will come out before um, Secret Wars. So it is possible oh, yeah. that we could get Spider-Man 4 after Kang Dynasty, which I highly Ooh. doubt. I highly doubt that, um, but I just want to make that correction um, for, for, for everybody. Um, but yeah, so Spider-Man, it's it's an annoying discourse with the MCU, bro, like with the fans <laughs> online, especially with that bozo JGK, thank God he's finally down. Um, just creating hate for MCU Spider-Man, he's Iron Boy Jr., this and the third. And so I feel like he's a character where you can never win. And that's kind of funny because it's emblematic of the character with how he's been written, especially recently with editorial. You can never win. He went from being an Iron Man sidekick, which I do agree with. There is some merit to that. We're going to talk about that. Um, He went from being Spider-Man's protege, for lack of better terms, to leading the Avengers, potentially. We'll see, or not leading the Avengers, but being a, a brand to headline the Avengers. He went from a supporting brand to the brand. And fans are still mad about that. They're still mad, especially when, like, why would you not do that? Spider-Man No No Way Home broke the COVID, broke uh, box office records during the COVID pandemic. Yeah, if if No Way Home had like come out during the time where obviously it wasn't in a pandemic, if it come if it come out just you know a year, two years later, and it had been released in China, because remember it wasn't released in China, it could have, it very well could have got end game level box office numbers. And it deserved it. <laughs> so, with with Spider-Man at the helm of an Avengers movie on the scale of Kang Dynasty, that it's just a no-brainer. It's going to make so much money. Yeah. So, why, why not do it? And, you know, to all the, the haters, and we'll talk about comic book accuracy real quick. We'll talk about story arcs. We'll talk about, you know, the, what the character should do or should not do, the MCU discourse. We'll talk about all of that. But before we get to that, like, when you look at the character of Spider-Man, why else are majority of us Marvel fans? Like, yeah. <laughs> like let's let's keep it real. Like, you know, to, to bring another analogy in here, right? Why else would you not be a Liverpool fan if it wasn't for Steven Gerrard? Yes. You know, why yes. would I not be a Cavs fan if it wasn't for LeBron James? Like, the same thing. Why would I not be a Marvel fan? Like, it's because of Spider-Man. He is their biggest star. He is their biggest brand. If Spider-Man was at DC, I don't know about you, but I would be at DC. I would probably be covering most DC stuff. It's not because we love Marvel so much and, you know, where our brains are turned off. No, it's because we love Marvel because of Spider-Man. That is, you know, that's Ryan Otley, you know, like Robert Kirkman. He's written some issues for for Spider-Man as well. And they both worked on Invincible and Spider-Man. Like, we love Spider-Man. Like, that's our character. And so when you look at, a lot of the direction or excuse me, a lot of discourse of, of the fans, there's this constant nagging where they like expect everything has to be a one-to-one comic book accuracy. And that's really annoying because one, you can't have any new fresh ideas or any fresh ways of implementing old ideas, right? Like I'll give you an example. If you had a one-to-one comic book accuracy, you would not have the arguably one of the best intros of comic book movie history, uh, Batman versus Superman. Like that mm-hmm. intro is is fire. Yeah. 
But if they did a one-to-one comic book accuracy, you wouldn't have that because you would expect the same comic book paneling art. You would expect the same angles. You would expect the same dialogue. You would expect the same tone. You would expect the same feel of a story, right? Like every story is like a, is a living animal. It has its own personality. It acts in certain ways. It has a feel to it. If you do, if you copy that one-to-one, I might as well just save my money and my time and just read the comic, which did it better and first already. Yeah. The point of film is to reinvent stuff. You, you, you get what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of these Spider-Man fans just drive me insane with these, you know, constant nitpicks like, oh, MCU Spider-Man, they'll never get it right. Oh, you know, he went from having too much suits to now leading the, you know, the Avengers. He should be leading the Fantastic Four. Why would he lead the Fantastic Four? Why would he be part of the Fantastic Four? Like, I'm not trying to be upset right now, but, yeah. but why? The Fantastic Four and Spider-Man are a better team in the comics. Yes, I agree. Nine times out of ten, yes. But he has more of a connection to the Avengers with Doctor Strange, with the legacy of Tony Stark, Mm -hmm. with how he looked up to Bruce Banner, with how he looks up to, to, or not looks up to, but his banter and his history with Bucky and, and, uh, you know, Falcon. And now he'll be Falcon, you know, or Falcon's now Captain America. He has those ties to the Avengers. He doesn't have those ties to the Fantastic Four. And the comics, he had more of those ties to the Fantastic Four than the Avengers. So do these fans who keep saying, oh, he really should be with the Fantastic Four. One, who's to say he's not? And then two, how does that make any logical sense? The Fantastic Four aren't established yet in the MCU, so yeah, it makes no sense for them to do that. It, 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 and, you know, it's like Spider-Man, he doesn't have a history with Johnny Storm yet. Like, maybe they do it in Spider-Man 4. Maybe they do it in, in Secret Wars. Who knows? But he has no connection to anybody. Quite literally, at the end of No Way Home, it is a reboot. Mm-hmm. It is a refresh. He is Spider-Man now, you know? And so anything is possible. But it, it's just really annoying with this character. I just had to get that off my chest. Bro. Like, <laughs> Spider-Man ends. We got Spider-Man No Way Home. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got mm-hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home which was arguably one of the biggest movies of all time. And it is a comic book accurate and a love letter to everything Spider-Man, especially that ending, especially that scene with all the three Spider-Mans hanging, especially that scene with Tom, uh, you know, telling Zendaya or MJ. Um, no, I don't have anything to say. See you later when he could have told her, you know, because of power comes great responsibility, you know, the memory mm-hmm. scene. Um, so much great moments. And now he's being the face of the Avengers even though he might not lead the team, but just like Captain America was the leader, but Iron Man was the face. Yeah. Whoever leads the Avengers, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is, but Spider-Man is the face of that. I don't see the problem with that. No, like it makes it makes so much sense. And yeah, you can have him as the main character in the film and not lead the Avengers. It would be cool if he was leading the Avengers, but if he's not, you could the film could like the first half an hour hour of it however long it it could be could be him like i think i mentioned this last week could be him like traversing the multiverse you know sort of maybe a mini sort of spider-verse type thing um which audiences are used to now by the way after into the spider-verse like the animated films so audience audiences are used to the idea of spider-man traveling the multiverse um so yeah it makes sense from a story perspective because of those possibilities and it makes sense from like a marketing perspective for you know obvious reasons um but where where do you think they go with the story for for kang dynasty then if Um, he's the main character i think in terms of like the story of kang dynasty um i don't know i think it's important to kind of look at who's directing the film so for example um destin daniel cretton um is who was the director and i'm not sure if he was a writer but he was definitely the director of shang chi um he is going to be directing avengers king dynasty now what's interesting to note is shang chi 2 which i assume that you know destin daniel cretton will be back to direct um Mm -hmm. he said that shang chi 2 will have some uh deal with the variants of kang as kind of like a part of the story i don't know if it's a main villain but um definitely a part of this a major part of the story so destin's probably going to have a strong idea of where he wants kang to go in the story and how involved he wants kang to be in the story um he has said in the past that spider-man is his favorite character 
And that's why I'm also not surprised that Spider-Man is going to be the main character in the Avengers movie he's directing. So in terms of the story, I, I, my perspective is that Peter Parker probably will never take his mask off, will not show his secret identity. I think his mask is going to be on for the most part. Um, you know, I know Marvel and Disney kind of likes to have, you know, their main actors have their faces out for branding purposes to sell more toys. But um, Spider-Man's mask itself sells. And yeah. <laughs> uh, we all know Tom Holland is Spider-Man now and No Way Home has established him because, you know, to go off on a small tangent, I mean, No Way Home, bro, um, not only did it kind of bring back Toby and Andrew and kind of give us that ultimate fan service, but it did it in a way that made character sense, right? They were brought in to help a Peter Parker who was on the same character path as them, but will hopefully not suffer the same mistakes that they did because they didn't have other older Peter Parkers to help them out. So mm -hmm. it's like a really beautiful family story in a way, like a coming of age type of story. And um, on top of being a, you know, coming of age story for Peter Parker and kind of uh, realizing that even doing the right thing takes sacrifice, right? Cause he, you look at no way home. He started it off, you know, trying to get the whole world to forget who he is so that his friends can get into college. That was his motivation so that, you know, the press can stop harassing his aunt. That was the motivation. But even in doing that, people got hurt. So it wasn't about trying to be more responsible. It was about realizing that even good intentions will be punished. And that's just life and you have to roll with it. Um, that's the brilliance of No Way Home. And so many people miss that. And um, it's, it's really frustrating. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we should do a whole episode on no way home bro like maybe i'm oh, more yes. interactive <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey let us know guys let us know if, if you guys want to see that you know where we just talk about a movie for a whole episode um we could do that but i think i think in terms of like the story i think we would have a stronger idea post thunderbolts right like mm. um you know because i feel like a lot of the ground level stuff has been tied with you know like the super soldier serum uh with Eter the rumor that the celestial from eternals has vibranium so that's why the governments of the world want you know the thunderbolts to grab it or not the okay. governments of the world, but the united states wants them to grab it before the other governments do um so it, it's really kind of in flux because phase four there was a lot of character development styles uh, experimentation and uh a, a loki drop of you know kang is coming so and then in phase five i mean i still haven't watched ant-man because i watched all all of the scenes on youtube i'm not watching that i'm not watching that movie like you know yeah, you don't need I'm to not, <laughs> yeah like, i'm not watching a movie with modok like i'm sorry i'm not watching a movie where the dialogue is literally it's not too late to be a dick i'm sorry like i'm sorry i'm not watching that crap i'm not watching that garbage bro like, oh there's not... there's one thing i forgot to tell you about that film by the way so the quantum realm they speak like this weird alien language and right. to be able to understand that, they have to drink goo from, like, a massive jelly baby, basically. Yeah, I'm not watching <laughs> not watching that trash. In a world where the Batman exists and No Way Home exists and Wakanda Forever and Shang-Chi and the Dark Knight, and I'm not saying they're all on the same level, but I'm saying all of them are on different levels, all of which require my brain to be functional a bit. That is not the same for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, bro. Like, and I feel so bad for Jonathan Majors, but that movie was garbage. That movie's trash. Like, sorry. <laughs> I know I'm about to get roasted, everybody. It's like, you didn't even watch it. I'm not watching a movie that is designed for adult children. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I know that's no, ironic. fair enough. That's completely fair. I know that's <laughs> ironic. We love Invincible and Star Wars and WWE, but it... I feel like a lot of that type of stuff insults the comic book medium, right? Like a lot of the MCU movies is, oh, did we just do that? Or, oh, that's stupid. Or, oh my God, that costume is that. Or, oh, that looks ugly. And it's a lot of poking fun at the comic book medium. And that pisses me off to no end. Like, just take it seriously. Like, come on, like, let's get more Sam Raimi in here. Let's get more, you know, Dan De Destin Daniel Cretton or Ryan Coogler type of influence, you know, like, yeah. even john watts like because i love homecoming but um mm -hmm. 
yeah, bro, off on a tangent. Sorry. But, um, <laughs> yeah, not too sure about the story, but I can pretty much guarantee you that the Fantastic Four are probably not going to uh, play a part in this. When Jeff Loveness says uh, that he's not even thinking about the Fantastic Four, I believe him. You know, uh, they'll probably show up in Secret Wars, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't. I believe I believe that. Um, I think we'll definitely see um, Kang wipe out you know major governmental forces you know i could definitely see him wipe out talican or something like that and mm-hmm. then we get namor have a big part to play in the story um but i definitely think above all no matter what they're doing the avengers or whatever peter parker will probably be used uh literary wise will probably or you know in this you know sorry I'm, my brain is frazzled um, <laughs> what do you say like in terms of the literary device there we go the way mm-hmm. um he will be used as the everyday man, right? Like his mm-hmm. perspective will probably be used as the guy on the ground and all this crazy galactic, you know, world ending events are transpiring around him. And he's just kind of like the guy who's trying his best to keep it together, right? He's he's the emotional anchor for us. Spider-Man will be the emotional anchor for us. That's probably how he's going to be used. Um, Action-wise, I think it's going to be the best Avengers movie ever. Um you know, look at the action in Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's brilliant. Now imagine the way of the spider adapted in this movie. <sighs> yeah, it's it's exciting. Um, yeah, just, just adding to what you said there, do you think Destin Daniel Cretton could direct Spider-Man 4? Do I think he should? Yeah. Do I do think, think he, he could? Will. No. Okay. I, don't, I don't think he could with the workload, bro. I mean, yeah. you have to. Yeah, you have, <laughs> oh, Marvel doesn't have, care about that. <laughs> we'll give him another project. Like, you know, we'll just slap a couple more million. Who cares? Uh, but no. Also, you got to keep in mind you have to work with Sony. Yeah. And and I'm very surprised that Spider-Man is the main character in an Avengers movie because of Sony. I think I think in terms of the character arc of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, it makes total sense. He went from a boy to a man. He went from having everything to losing nothing and still coming up on top and saving the multiverse by making the ultimate sacrifice. He did spiritually a lot of ways for the multiverse, what Tony Stark did for the universe in Endgame with what he did in No Way Home. So I think his character arc totally flows to be the main character of Kang Dynasty, but to be clear, I don't think he's going to be the leader. Um, I think he could maybe have moments where he, you know, inspires the team and is like the emotional leader. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't see him going up to Sam Wilson. Okay, we need you to go over there. Hulk, I need you to go over there. Shang-Chi, Moon Knight, I need you to go over there. I don't see that. I think Spider-Man will be more of like, a, like to use a sports analogy, you have Liverpool and then you have Luis Suarez. Suarez isn't the leader, but he's definitely the best player on the team. Yeah. That's yeah. probably Spider-Man. He's not the leader, but he's the main character, and he's definitely going to get the best action scenes. He's yeah. definitely going to get the best story bits. He's definitely going to get the, the best acting, um, like dialogue and, and everything, you know? Um, that's I think kind of what I can see it being sort of a similar idea to the first Avengers movie, where, like, you know, Captain America, but this time it's going to be Falcon. Uh, Sam Wilson's Captain America telling everyone where to go and then yeah. you know the scene where Iron Man uh, he flies in with the massive oh, what's it called the massive alien thing the flying one the whale thing yeah yeah so he flies in with that he's like I'm bringing the party to you I can yeah. imagine a similar scene where Spider-Man swings around with some massive alien following him and you Perfect. know sort of echoing that because um, he, he's playing that type of yeah, like 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 we've said, he's it'll be like the Iron Man. He's like the main character, but not the leader. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Spider Man being leader of the Avengers kind of wouldn't really fit. Mm-hmm. Like I could see, I could maybe see like Carol getting killed or something, and Falcon getting killed, and then he asks to step up. Maybe that, but Spider Man is not a character where he's like the leader of the Avengers. He is a solo act. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean. I, I could I definitely, and I would love to see that because I want to see the MCU have more cameos and throwbacks to their past, not necessarily to Marvel comics, but I want to see more throwbacks to their past. What makes the MCU unique? Like, for example, I think it's a missed opportunity in Avengers Endgame where Tony Stark wasn't reminded of Yinsen 
like the bald dude from, yeah. from the cave where he was like don't waste your life you know what i mean like oh, don't waste your yeah. life i still think that's a missed opportunity and maybe it's possible the actor um sean i forget his last name um it's possible that he legally contractually couldn't come back because he was doing something else and he probably didn't want to compromise a job for a cameo you know (laughs) um maybe but if they could have done it they should have done it i still think that's a missed opportunity because because that is what kicked off the mcu that sacrifice right yeah he saved tony um so i think moments like that like throwbacks like that like I want to see more from the MCU. Like, I still think Endgame has the strongest ending to a comic book saga ever. Oh, yeah. Because, because that Captain America ending with Peggy, them dancing, it fits canonically and it fits the character arc. Mm-hmm. Like, so you, you can't, you, you just can't beat that finality. You can't just beat the level of detail and attention that went into that ending, right? They really did their due diligence. Um, so I can see that same level of writing in Kang Dynasty for sure. And Daniel, Destin Daniel Cretton is going to bring that energy, um, especially with Shang-Chi, how he dealt with the family dynamic of Shang-Chi and his dad. It was very serious, but it wasn't mm-hmm. what you thought, right? Like the evil father who's overbearing. That's not that at all. It was more of the father who wants his family together. So I couldn't see... Um, him doing a fantastic job with making Kang, who was already an established villain, even mm-hmm. all the more iconic when you have the likes of Thanos. But here's my question to you, bro. Who is going to be the main villain of Kang Dynasty? And how do you think that will tie in with Spider-Man's dynamic? You know what I'm saying? Because um, I don't think Kang is dead in Quantumania. It's, well, the, the post-credit scene of Quantumania confused me a bit. So just like, there's all these weird different versions of Kang. Um, and th- it wasn't really made clear which one of them was, like, the leader. Yeah. Which, yeah, was a bit weird. So, I think it's going to be, like, a situation where kind of kind of there's not really a clear villain for, like, the first half. Just stuff's going on. And then one variant of Kang, the most dominant one or whatever, will come in halfway through mm. um or you never know they might just start off with kang just like killing a bunch of motherfuckers <laughs> here here's what i here here's here's a huge question right especially with spider-man sony letting marvel and marvel can do whatever they want with their character but this is also dangerous for marvel right because sony could be like thank you just gave us free advertising for our character we're not going to do spider-man you know or at spider-man 5 with you guys spider-man 6 with you guys because my knowledge from my understanding it's every movie is a case-by-case thing that that's my understanding um mm-hmm. i could be completely wrong um maybe they did a multi-year agreement when they came back after far from home I, i'm not too sure but i think when you look at sony letting marvel or marvel being courageous enough excuse me, to use Spider-Man in that capacity when Sony could pull the plug and take the character back at any moment and they can't use that main character again. Mm-hmm. One, that brings to me two things. One, Marvel has a clear out for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. They probably have a character arc already written out for him where he's Tom is going to leave the character either through death of Peter Parker or retirement, something like that. Or, number two, um, Sony is once in more with the MCU. Where Sony's probably like, okay, we'll stay with the MCU. We make more money with you guys. You can use our, pro- you know, our IP, whatever. Uh, but then we want to be involved with everything MCU, not just Spider-Man. So we want a piece of Kang Dynasty. We want a piece of Secret Wars. We want our stories to be interlocked with that. Like I could see that. So my question is, do you see, um, do you see Madam Web, the events of Madam Web? tying into Kang Dynasty, or not in a major way, but enough to where you see a cameo, enough to where you hear a dialogue, enough to where you see a, a major character moment that you would only understand if you watched that movie. I think so, With um, especially after the post credit scene of um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, when he literally turns up in the MCU. I think yeah. that's that opened the door, possibly, for other stuff like that in Sony films. Um 
So I, I do see it linking in some way to maybe not Kang Dynasty, maybe to Spider Man Four, but um, I do definitely think it'll link in some way. To I, I don't really know how, but um, yeah, we'll do it in some capacity. Here's here's how I would pitch it if that was the case. What if Kang was like, you know, you live in a reality where you don't have an Uncle Ben because I. I, I that was my choice, like somehow. It's I know it's terribly written. I know that makes no sense. Why would Kang the Conqueror care about Ben Parker out of all people? Like, I get that. Like, I know it doesn't make any sense. But what I'm saying is maybe Kang says I'm withholding parts of your life, right? Which are the more Spider-Man esque aspects of Peter Parker's life. For example, his characterization. For example, like some relationships that have been not explored yet such as felicia hardy or his ben parker or whatever maybe that hasn't happened yet because kang meddled with the past that didn't Mm -hmm. allow those events to transpire so you have an in-universe canon reason as to why the writers couldn't cover the topics that we as the audience wanted for so long oh yeah that's good that is good Something like that, and it doesn't have to be a major part of the story, because I think in an Avengers movie, it's stupid to, again, make a major part about it, Ben Parker. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I do I do agree with that. But, you know, just a dialogue, just a dialogue, like, hey, like, do you want to see more of your spider brethren? And then you see Shamik Moore in live action, and oh, into the Spider-Verse, yes. you know? Yeah. Just that. Or Tom Hardy's Venom, but with the the white spider insignia across his chest and then Kang like closes the the vision or something. So do you think that um, the whole Kang stuff, the whole Secret Wars multiverse stuff is how they could maybe begin to to start the exit of Tom Holland from the MCU by maybe introducing Miles Morales? I don't know. Um, Tom Holland is a moneymaker, bro. And Mm. I know all these actors say, you know, I don't want to do this forever, but nobody wants to be broke. (laughs) (laughs) They know to more money, right? Hugh Jackman for all those years says, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I did Logan finality on the character done. And then Disney said, Hey, here's some money. (laughs) And now he's back, you know, like, so I think that, you know, money talks and people walk, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, Tom Holland, he continues to be, and I and I don't see why he wouldn't be. But if Tom Holland continues to be that major financial puller, as well as being that iconic, fantastic comic book accurate Spider Man, um, I think yeah, people will absolutely continue to watch his movies, and there isn't a real reason for them to quit their partnership or quit making those movies. The only thing at that point would be Tom Holland's desire to see a more character driven angle for the use of the character and there is evidence to that because tom holland personally himself writ wrote the ending of no way home the original ending of no way home was that everybody knew who peter parker was but peter came to accept that new reality and change the world and that's how we would be inspiring tom holland said no screw that we're not doing that he needs a secret identity we want to see tom himself said i want to see darker spider-man stories i wanted to see craven the hunter these are his words he said he wanted to see craven the hunter but what he got from no way home was fantastic but originally he was really excited for craven the hunter he definitely did not want to redo the origin story again all over again if you look at a lot of the press for no way home post the release of the movie everybody said this was the movie where he finally became a spider-man so even the you know tom holland and john watts himself acknowledged that far from home albeit was enjoyable didn't do much for the character development of peter parker i look at it as homecoming the events of the infinity war saga which is infinity war endgame and far from home all as one movie Mm -hmm. and then you have no way home and that character arc is perfectly from a boy who wants to be a superhero because he truly loves superheroism and that's what he wants to do with his heart he has this altruism that is so pure that a lot of us have as kids but we lose as adults because of the events of infinity war and and no way home and you apply that metaphorically to your life and you can see kind of we would also be in an emotional place where tom holland was in no way home Mm -hmm. but yet he persevered he kept that childlike joy in his heart and that's what spider-man is 
You look at J. Michael Straczynski's Spider-Man run, that's who he is. You look at Robert Kirkman's Spider-Man Single Issues, that's who Spider-Man is. Stan Lee, that's who Spider-Man is. Like, he has that childlike, endearing joy and, and hope and optimism that the world will get better. So I say all of that to say, when we look at where this saga is going to go, right? Because you said, are they going to write him out? That's kind of where it has to go. The story has went from, I want to be an Avenger. And at the end of No Way Home, he's very clearly, I'm my own man now, right? You have that character angle that I was talking about. So if they're going to write him out, Peter has to come to a resolution where he doesn't have to be Spider-Man anymore. Or he dies. Yeah. And I think... I think you should die. And oh, I, somebody, I really hope, I really hope some, nobody takes that clip and posts it on Twitter and says he hopes Tom Holland dies. Like, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you guys know what I mean. I think Peter Parker and the MCU should, God, I sound morbid, but I think he should be killed. Um, well, that's how they did it in the, in the Ultimate Universe in the comics, isn't it? And that, that yeah. works very well for that story. I think, um, yeah. I, I, oh, sorry, what were you saying, bro? No, no, I was, do- I was done. I was done. No, um, I'm saying also audience. I talk way too much, so I'm sorry. Please let me know. <laughs> it's like, um, it's no, good. no, but I argue that Ultimate Spider-Man is the best characterization of Peter Parker, but it is not the best run of Spider-Man stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Peter Parker's characterization, Brian Michael Bendis's writing of Peter Parker, is so strong that it carries a lot of the issues. Because some of the issues, especially when you get to like the you know the the clone arc which i wasn't a big fan of or the sinister six um or a lot of the oscorp angle with the hobgoblin and green goblin and the super serum of of you know making hulk like a hulk like green goblin that shoots fire out of his hands um it was cool um and ultimate spider-man is the only thing good out of that edgy ass universe you know (laughs) ultimate spider-man and miles morales like they make Hank Pym, a woman beater and a sexual assaulter, and mm. Captain America hates skinny men and, and made Black and... Widow and Tony Stark have a sex tape. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> the universe, the Ultimate Universe, was god awful. The only things good out of that is the Maker, Ultimate Reed Richards. That is good. Um, you know, the Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And then also Jonathan Hickman is writing the Ultimate Universe again. The Ultimate Universe is coming back in Marvel Comics, so I'm super excited for that. Um, but no, I think um, I think if they write out the character, it's it's got to be a death because that's the only way I see it. Tom Holland is still young; he's our age. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, these movies take a time; they take a while to make, and they take a toll on you. So, three more Spider-Man movies in his own saga, and then two more Avengers movies, three more Avengers movies, maybe a Fantastic Four appearance. That'll take him up to 35 years old, maybe, right? Yeah. Does he still want to keep doing Spider-Man movies? Maybe. I think it'd be awesome to see a Spider-Man who's 40 years old live action. Um, but I could definitely see Tom Holland not wanting to do that anymore. And I could see the audience being fatigued by that. So, yeah. um, But if you look at the character arc, right? A lot of the MCU hasn't been your classic secret identity nine to five superhero right it's typically been a destiny or you're you're a for you know you have a billionaire fortune or something like that um but typically it's not your average person the only average person stories you get are ant-man and spider-man right Mm -hmm. maybe dr strange if you wanted to pull that but he's a billionaire you know or he was a millionaire surgeon yeah but but you know what i mean right like typically it was like a destiny was handed to them or they were a leader or something so i think when you look at spider-man and you look at his angle and what he provides for the mcu it is that fresh angle right Mm -hmm. that when spider-man first came to the mcu i was excited to see his world bring some freshness to the mcu so when i saw a lot of Spider-Man growing and developing in a world already established. I'll admit I was a bit turned off. I was, I wanted more Spider-Man classic centric story arcs and homecoming, but we already got those and you have to reinvent stuff and no way home. is the perfect culmination of ending of a childhood into adulthood. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I really think that's it. I mean, I don't know what you, (laughs) But I think that's the way. I think Spider-Man Six is probably going to be a death, and then you have Miles Morales live action. 
I can't wait for Miles Morales live action. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be I just so good. They, I just hope they give Miles the same gravitas and treatment that Peter Parker gets. I think if they're gonna kill Peter off, then they, they've got to, don't they? Because then mm-hmm. it'll be like the, it'll be the face of live action Spider Man. It will, will be yeah. Miles. So yeah, they've got to. Go, go, going back to um, what you're saying about um, about uh, Spider Man, then I think that that's another reason why he's such a good choice to be the main character of Kang Dynasty because the the story of Kang Dynasty uh, is basically it's not going to be relatable to audiences at all. It's some weird sci fi alien multiverse thing. So to have such a the one probably the most relatable comic book character of all time as the focus of that. You know, what I mean, it makes it so much better for for the audience, um, which is a very, very wise story storytelling decision. I think. I agree, bro. And I think when you look at, like, again, like Spider Man in an Avengers movie, you're gonna make a billion dollars, so it makes sense character wise. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. This is what we've wanted to see as Spider Man fans. We wanted a more assertive Spider Man, a more seasoned Spider Man. You cannot tell me he's not going to be a major asset. The boy fought against Thanos. He's going to help out against Kang. And, mm. yo, what if Kang the Conqueror killed Toby and Andrew Spider-Man? Oh. And that is Tom Holland Spider-Man's motivation for getting the black suit on, on Battle World and Secret Wars. I think... I think we've just we've just written the perfect script there. <laughs> I mean that that is. Bro, I want to see it. that now. Yeah, I mean, and you you could you could like make that like a you know a major part of the story, right? Like you have Toby, you have the classic like you know the mm. Toby music, you have the Andrew music, maybe Tom Holland Spider Man is dispatched or something like he's trapped under rubble or something like that, or he's trapped in a time loop. I don't know something like he's incapacitated. You think Toby and Andrew are going to stop Kang, and then Kang puts the beating on them and then maybe kills Toby and Andrew in front of Tom. Oh, and it mirrors Thor, Thor and Loki and Thanos from Infinity War. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be heartbreaking. And it That's was... the perfect way to do it, though. And it would subvert fan theories because everybody's saying we want to see Toby and, and Hugh together as Spider-Man and Wolverine. Screw that. Don't give every fan theory. Don't give in to every <laughs> cameo-like request, you know? Give enough so we, we're excited. Give enough so we don't expect everything, right? That's how I would do it, is maybe Toby, you know, maybe Toby tells Andrew to run, right? And Andrew runs and he still gets killed or something. Like a scene like X-Men Days of Future Past but replace the Sentinels with Kang and oh. replace the mutants with Toby and Andrew and Kang waxes them. And that then is Tom, so good. And then you have a reason for Tom having the black suit on Secret Wars and mm-hmm. Toby and Andrew not being like, or Toby specifically not being like, why are you wearing that? Like, you should not be wearing mm-hmm. that. Well, yeah. he's dead. And it would be a sick, twisted irony, a sick, twisted irony that the thing that corrupted Toby is the thing that will help Tom avenge Toby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. And you a could, lot. and you could deal the, with the fallout of the black suit in Spider-Man Five. Yeah. Oh, that that would be interesting. Yeah, because that that would be such an interesting way to lead into Spider-Man Five as well. Um. So after that that'll be when sort of if if the sonyverse is integrating with the mcu that'll be when it's after that'll be after madam web that'll be after craving the hunter so if they are integrating them a little bit um that that would be very exciting for, for spider-man 5 i mean bro like if we're gonna have if we're gonna have tom holland be the main lead we might as well give him like an iconic scene that you can't see coming yeah Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait. I I wasn't looking forward to the future of MCU after Quant- after I saw Quantumania, but this Spider Man stuff has just got me so excited again, bro. I'm, he, like I said, bro. Like you can have mid Marvel movies, 
You just need one good Spider-Man movie. That's all you need. <laughs> that is all you need. And we're back in it. Like, oh, Spider-Man yeah. carries Marvel. Even when Marvel is having a great year, Spider-Man will still lead that. Like, unfortunately, I wish the comics were like that. <laughs> I never thought I would. I never thought I would live in a world where the movies are leading the comics in terms of how you should take the character. Um, but yeah, no, you know, we, we, Rogers out, you know, or not Rogers out, but Nick Lowe out, Nick Lowe out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, I, yeah. I, 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 so I shop at Forbidden Planet for my comic books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's like the biggest comic book shop trade in the UK and, uh, it must have been like a year ago now. I I, I went in to collect my comics, um, and I, I said to him, uh, I handed I handed back Amazing Spider Man. I was like, can you just take that off the list for me, please? Don't don't hold them for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny, bro. Um, no, um, it, I have an issue. Fun fact: I have an issue. It's either of a Moon Knight comic issue or Amazing Spider-Man issue, but it is in my apartment, literally. I, I, I held it. And it, I think it was Amazing Spider-Man, but you know how like they'll have the editorial uh, news write-ins at the end of every issue so you can write in and oh, talk yeah. about what you... So this one dude said, he literally wrote that, how do you feel about Moon Knight outselling amazing spider-man and it was some dude who lived in berea ohio who collected kid force who who went to kid force collectibles comics because that's where he wrote from Hmm. that's where he put in his name bio and that's the same store i went to for a long long time getting my comic books wow so i i'm like bro some dude in ohio who lives in my same city thinks the same way that we do like it's just crazy like so many people so many people around the world are not happy with Spider-Man's editorial. Mm-hmm. How do how do they not see it? They've it's just been it's it's a prob it's a kind of problem we have when when it just it gets a new writer like every sometimes every six months. Mm-hmm. So they don't you know they don't get much time and also all the ideas have been bad. Um, the last time I was truly interested in Spider-Man comics was. Um, when it when it was coming up to like issue, oh, it probably about ten years ago now, when it was coming up to issue seven hundred, Superior Spider-Man started. I know that's a very divisive run, yeah. But um, that was the last time it was truly exciting and interesting. Yeah. Um, which is quite bad that the most popular character in comics hasn't had a really exciting story in the comics for a decade. Spider-Man. Well, I agree. Like Superior Spider-Man is a top is a top ten Spider-Man run. Highly recommend you guys check it out. But also, Spider-Man is written better outside of his main line. Like he's written better in Hellfire Gala. He's written better in the Amazing Spider-Man issue eight hundred. Um, you know, single of one off issues. Jonathan Hickman's story or one off issue was only three pages was fantastic. Um, it brilliantly answered. The question of why does Peter Parker's life suck, and it said, "Hey, well, you, you choose to help fight for people. That's what's gonna happen." So, um, but it does it in a poignant way and in an uplifting way, a hopeful way. Um, he's written better outside of those, you know, outside of his own main line. He's written better in Miles Morales, and Miles Morales. Like, uh, what was it? Average run by Salim Ahmed. Like, sorry, not I don't mean to diss you, bro, but that run outside of introducing, you know, a new baby sister and an evil clone and another multiversal aspect to Miles, as if we haven't already gotten that before, it, it's all right. It's not bad. It's not good. It's it's there. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker is written better in that story arc than, than, than here. Like, I'll give you a funny quip. So Miles' evil clone, it's like an evil Ben Reilly for him. His name is Salim, mm-hmm. and he, he's British. And so he's, like, he, he has, like, these, like, uh, like, these chav, like, knives and stuff, like, and <laughs> he, like, stabs people. So Peter stops him, immediately figures out this isn't Miles, and he's like, so what's your name, Kilometers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. You don't see that from the main, like, it's sad, bro. But we need to do a whole episode about that. Just mm-hmm. our best Spider-Man comic book runs, you know? Like, 
We need to do that. That that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd be up for that. But um, we could talk about this forever. But you have work. I've kept you up late. late and, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's been more than an hour. Okay, editing is gonna be fun. <laughs> but um, <laughs> hey guys, this is the Invincibles. Uh, before we before we log off, Ollie, what have you been uh, reading? What have you been playing, watching this week? Any recommendations for anything? Um, I've got a recommendation for Doctor Who fans. Okay. So uh, a friend of ours um, f- called Reese Dell from England, uh, he has created his very own sort of audio series that's sort of set in the world of Doctor Who. So if you're into Doctor Who, check that out. It's called The Bleak Walk Home by Dell Studios on Twitter. So that's what I've got today. That's awesome. Lincoln. And, uh, you know, Reese is a fantastic writer, a good friend of ours. We can vouch for him. He does really good stuff. Check him out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my recommendation is, uh, honestly, I've been reading a lot of Aquaman comic books lately. And I recently finished Aquaman Sub Diego. Um, it's a trade paperback. A Will Pfeiffer's run from the early 2000s, essentially, and this comic book run because um, anybody who doesn't know and you guys will know by li- tuning into our podcast I love Aquaman, he's my favorite <laughs> character, I love, love, love Aquaman um, you know, I love Namor too, um, and I definitely prefer the MCU's angle for Namor than what DC did with Aquaman, but uh, I love Aquaman, that was my guy when Injustice was out, Injustice 1 I learned every single Aquaman move uh, sets. I have, I, I could win tournaments playing Injustice, that's how good I am with Aquaman bro, like I love Aquaman. He's a great character. Um, but in this story arc, it's really fresh because it changes up the world of Aquaman in such a fresh way. Because when you think of Aquaman, you always think of like regal, old politics. You think of Greece. You think of Poseidon and all of that. Well, in this angle, it, or in this story, it's in California and the city of San Diego has sunk to the ground mm-hmm. and or sunk to the ocean and thousands of people died. And uh, Aquaman is like dealt his face, tried to stop like this natural disaster and he failed to do it and he couldn't stop it. And when every time he goes in the water, he just sees dead babies floating and he sees like pandas from the zoo trying to swim up, but they can't. And like it's this really somber and emotional and heartbreaking story. But how the story ends is so uplifting and powerful. And yeah, Aquaman, get him, Aquaman. Like it, it's it's such a perfect angle from, you know, like from darkness into light. Um, mm-hmm. It's beautifully written. It's such a poignantly written issue. And it is very deep and has a lot of what the movie was missing, in my opinion. It had that human element, that deep, critical, philosophical, emotional angle that the movie was missing. But that's my recommendation. Definitely check out Aquaman, Sub Diego, um, trade paperback one and two. Uh, fantastic stories and um, hopefully we get some of that energy for Aquaman in the DCU. Yes, that's all for today. Uh, Thanks very much for listening. Um, Yeah, join us again next week. I've been Ollie. I'm Zen. And we're the Invincibles. Invincibles. There we go. go. (laughs) Tune in in next week. Let us know on our Instagram poll. Let us know what topic do you guys want to see. Do you want to see a more comic booky type of issue or episode like marvel dc image invincible stuff like that or do you guys want us to cover you know harry potter and talk about hogwarts legacy and the news of uh you know the the original trio harry ron and hermione coming back for a, tr- a sequel uh, or a, a trequel you know like uh, three sequels three more sequels like a trilogy saga saga sorry mm-hmm. i can't speak guys but that's what we're <laughs> going to be talking about next week uh vote in our poll and uh, let us know